Welcome to Faith Covenant Church. It is great to have everybody here on Easter morning. Our friends here at Faith Covenant Church, Farmington Hills. We're excited to have our friends uh, from Faith Covenant Church in Manistee joining us and folks just all over uh, the metro area, Michigan, and across the nation. It's good to have you here with us. Happy Easter to you. Uh, now, this morning we are launching a brand new series entitled When God Doesn't Make Sense. And we're going to dive into that series in just a minute. But before we do, we are going to engage in an Easter tradition together. It is one that goes all the way back to the very first followers of Jesus. And the way that this tradition works is someone will say, He is risen. And everybody who hears that will respond with, He is risen indeed. So here we go He is risen. Excellent, excellent. More on that to come. But for now, know that at least in tradition, you have something in common with the very first followers of Jesus. Now again, we are kicking off a series today entitled, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And we're kicking this series off on Easter Sunday and, and really doing so on Easter Sunday on purpose. Because on Easter Sunday, we come together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus is something that is so important, especially in times where we're struggling to make sense of God. It's just so critical. See, sometimes in life, we can struggle to make sense of God. In fact, just as we begin today, just let me ask you, have you ever had a time where you just, you, you couldn't make sense of God? Where, where, where what he was doing or what he was not doing, just, it didn't make any kind of sense to you. You looked at how life was unfolding. You, you looked at how things were going in your marriage or with your job or with your kids or your finances or your health or your grades or your friendship. And you found yourself just going, God, what are you doing? Are you paying attention to anything that's going on down here? Like, why won't you do what I'm asking? When are you going to show up and help? Have, have you ever had a time like that? Or is, is, everything, that is, is everything that's unfolding with, with COVID-19 and, and, and our personal health and the economy and, and our socialization and the stay-at-home stuff, in the midst of everything that's going on, is there one or two people out there right now who are maybe going, hey, just God is not making sense to me in the midst of all of this. See, if, if you've ever had a time where you struggle to make sense of God in the past, or if to some degree or another you find yourself there right now, you share more than just tradition with the very first followers of Jesus. Because on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus' first followers were struggling mightily to make sense of God. We, we get a picture of this in Luke's biography of Jesus' life. He captures some of this for us when it comes to Jesus and his first followers. So let's just take a minute and pray, invite God to be part of this, invite God to help us in the midst of what's going on in our world today, and then we'll jump into that narrative. Father, just today, 
as we come together to remember and to celebrate the empty tomb. God, we want to invite you to be part of our time, to speak to our hearts and to our minds. There is just so much going on right now. There are so many things that we could be praying for. Father, I want to I pray specifically for Dr. Ken Harris, the pastor at Detroit Bible Tabernacle, a, 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 another covenant church right here in our area. God, we want to lift him up to you as he has COVID-19. We want to pray for him as his wife died this week in relationship to this disease. And as he is mourning, as his family is mourning, and as their church is just struggling just to process all of this. Father, we want to say thank you and ask for your hand of protection on those right here in our church family who are on the front lines of all of this as healthcare workers and first responders and more. Please protect them and please help them just to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people who are struggling and who are afraid and who are sick. God, please meet us in these times that are crazy and that are hard to make sense of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you want, you can open up your Bible to Luke 24, whatever device you're on, and it'll be on the screen as well, and you can just follow along with us. But Luke's story begins like this. He says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So as Luke begins here, he's got these two guys, and and they're traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they do, they're, they're engaged in this, this first century custom. And they're engaged in this first century custom because it's the first century. There's, there's no radio to listen to as they travel. There's no DVD player there in the car. There, there are no cell phones you know, to be absorbed in. And so they are forced to engage in this ancient first century custom as they travel. They actually interact with one another. All right? Try and imagine, if you could, as, as they're in close proximity to one another because there's no social distancing guidelines that they have to follow. As, as these two travel together, they, they, they actually interact directly with one another with no electronic devices involved in the process whatsoever. Different world than ours, I get that, but this is how they're doing this thing. And so they're walking along, they're just having a conversation with each other, and as they do, we're told that they were talking about everything that had happened. What that means is they're talking about Jesus and who he said he was and the kind of things that he talked about God and the kind of things that he did while he was among them and what they thought that it meant. But now that he's dead, like what does any of that mean now? And what, is, what does all of this mean for them as they were following him and what are they going to do with their lives now that he's dead and buried? And as they're having this conversation, Luke tells us that Jesus joins them on the road. 
And, and for the sake of making this a teaching moment, Jesus keeps them from seeing who he really is. And so he begins to, to walk with these two. And as they're walking together, Jesus asks them what it was that they were talking about. And we're told that when Jesus asks them that, that they stood still, their faces downcast. They, they just stood there emotionally drained and bottomed out. And finally, one of them says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? In other words, dude, have you been living under a rock? Like, how can you not know what's been going on? Everybody's talking about this. But Jesus continues to play dumb. I mean, he knows what things happened. He lived what things happened. But again, it's a teaching moment here. And so Jesus asks them, no, what things? And so they, they begin to tell Jesus. They, they say to him about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in, in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. See, for these two guys on the road, and really for anyone who'd been following Jesus up to that point, the days following what we call Good Friday, they were dark days. Luke tells us that, that on Good Friday, for the last three hours that Jesus was crucified, the darkness descended on the land. But with Jesus' death, the darkness lifted from the land. But his, for his followers, the darkness remained. Even after it lifted off of the land, it remained there in their lives. Jesus' followers, they had everything that Jesus taught and everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus you know, promised them. And now all of that has been called into question. Like, like, like Jesus, you know, he, he, Jesus, he did incredible things. They, they watched Jesus as, as he healed the sick, as he cast out demons right, left, and center. As he commanded the forces of nature like it was nothing. They watched Jesus raise people from the dead. And he claimed that he was doing all of this in the power of God. But now that he's dead, they're wondering. You know, his opponents claimed he was doing this in the power of the devil. Is there any truth to that? Or Jesus taught things. Taught them how God loved them, how God cared for the marginalized and the poor, how God was present in their lives, how God was going to provide for them and protect them. He taught them that he was the Christ, that he's worthy of first and ultimate allegiance in their lives. But now he's dead. And they're wondering, is any of that stuff he taught really true? And, and Jesus, he made huge promises Promised that their sins were forgiven. 
Promise that they had a new God-given purpose in life. Promise them heavenly and eternal rewards based on their relationship with him. And now all those promises, they, they seem as dead as his entombed body. On that road, these guys, they, they thought they understood who Jesus was and what he was doing. They thought that, that, that God was answering prayers that people had been praying for hundreds of years up to that point. They thought they were witnessing God doing something that people had dreamt of, read about, wrote about for, for just centuries now. They thought God was on the move and they were actually getting to be part of all of that. But then Good Friday comes. And it's like somebody just rips the rug out from under them. And now that Jesus is dead and gone, there's all kinds of pain and fear and confusion and disappointment. As these two guys stand there on that road, trying try to, to explain to some guy who inserted them into their conversation, you know, what everybody else in the whole world knows is going on. In that moment, God just didn't make any kind of sense to them. So again, let me ask you, have you ever been there? Because you see, God not making sense, this isn't just a, a, a first century thing. This isn't just a 2,000 years ago kind of thing. It's still something that happens today. Like, I've changed the names to protect the identity of the, of the people in the stories, but the, the stories I'm going to share with you, they're stories from our time, not, not just the first century. Like, John thought he was healthy. He's, he's playing hockey, for goodness sake. And he, he finishes his shift he steps off the ice, he begins to fall, and before his body hits the floor, he's dead. And his wife and his family, they're left to just figure out what in the world to do now. Or Pam, she is scared for her child. For years, she has been hoping and praying and doing everything she can to try and get this kid to make better decisions. And now this child's painted themselves into a corner, and, and there is no way out of this thing. That's not going to involve regret and pain. Or Jill, she just feels completely powerless. She has watched her parents become increasingly embittered towards one another. She has watched them fight more and more. She's watched them begun to intentionally do things to hurt each other. And now that they're splitting up, she just feels like she is caught in the middle. These are our stories now. They're, they're not just stories from thousands of years ago. Not, not to mention the stories that we could all share. I mean, I've, I've talked to folks for the last two weeks, and, and the stories that people are sharing with me about what's going on with their health, what is going on with the health of people who they love and care about. I talked to one of the, the, the folks right here in our church family as he is in Beaumont Hospital, and they're discussing with him whether or not they're going to put him on a ventilator the stories that we could tell about what's going on at work, 
how we don't have work anymore. Or we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills on half pay. The stories that people have shared about just, just being cooped up in their homes and feeling like they're going to lose their minds as depression and anxiety are overwhelming them. See, the, the idea that there's just darkness, that there's just confusion, that God just didn't make sense back then, that doesn't work. Still today, there's darkness and there's confusion and there's fear and there's disappointment. Still today, sometimes God just doesn't make sense. So Jesus and these two guys on this road, they're talking about this. And they tell Jesus about everything that happened and about how none of this makes sense to them. And then how some of the women that they know have told them that they saw Jesus risen from the dead and the tomb's empty and they don't know what in the world to do with that crazy story. And as they're having this conversation, Jesus says to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning him. Now, <laughs> what was that like? Can you imagine Jesus himself breaking down the Old Testament for you like that? I mean, that had to be an incredible Bible study. At any rate, Jesus, you know, he, he just walks them through all of this. And, and they finally get to Emmaus, and Jesus acts like he's going to keep walking, and, and these guys are like, no, you got to come and have dinner with us. And so Jesus does. And as they're sitting at the table, this reminiscent scene unfolds, where Jesus takes bread, and he gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he hands it out to them. And in that moment, they see who Jesus really is. And then he's gone. And, and after he's gone, these guys just get all kinds of wound up. And they're like, oh my goodness, of course that was Jesus. Yeah, I remember when he was doing that Bible study with us, like it was just burning up inside of me. And so these guys who have just hiked, I mean, they've just walked seven miles from Jerusalem all the way to Emmaus, they get up immediately and they hightail it all the way back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they find Jesus' 11 disciples and a group of other folks who are with them. And they're like, you're not going to believe this. We just saw Jesus. He's really alive. And they're like, we know he appeared to Peter as well. And the women in the room are all like, we told you so, right? And, and all this is going on, all this excitement. And then we're told that Jesus appears in their midst and he says to them peace be with you now do you know why jesus started the conversation that way it's because jesus just pop appeared into the room you see the, these these folks who are in this room they're not used to people just appearing out of nowhere they're not used to people just apparating into their midst they're used to people using the door. And they're used to the people who are using the door, like not having been dead three days earlier. See, they are living this out real time 
for the first time, and this is all freaking them out. And so Jesus says to them, hey, easy, easy, be at peace. And yet still, we're told that they were startled and frightened, thinking that he was a ghost. So he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Now, again, I I don't think Jesus is asking that question for his benefit. I'm pretty sure, especially in his resurrected state, Jesus knew the answer to that question. I think he's asking the question for the benefit of those he's asking it of and the the benefit they're going to receive as they begin to think through that. Okay, why are we troubled? Why are we full of doubt? I'll tell you why we're troubled and full of doubt, Jesus. Because since Friday, we've been living in darkness. Since Friday, there's been all kinds of pain and fear and confusion. Since Friday, everything you did and said and taught and promised has been called into question for us. Jesus, since they pulled your lifeless body off of the cross, God hasn't made a lick of sense to us. That's why we're troubled. That's why we doubt. And I think that's true. I think there's a degree of truth as to why that's why they're troubled and that's why they doubt. But, but I think there are more answers to that question. That, that, that the darkness that they've been experiencing, that's just the surface answer to that question. I think there, there's some deeper answers beneath the surface of their lives. And I think that's why Jesus did what he did next. Luke tells us that Jesus said to them, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then Jesus had them touch him. And then he asks them to give him a piece of fish. And and he's basically like, hey, watch this. And he eats it. And and the fish doesn't drop through Jesus' semi-translucent body and just bloop, fall onto the floor. No, he consumes it. Because he has a real physical body. See, Jesus wanted his first followers to understand on that first Easter, he was literally, physically, bodily resurrected from the dead. And he wanted them to understand that because they were facing darkness apart from the knowledge and power of the resurrected Jesus. Jesus Jesus plays Easter morning show and tell with them on that first Easter morning, so that they will know that he is risen and risen indeed. He wants them to understand this because the resurrection is proof everything Jesus did was done in the power of God. The resurrection, it is proof everything Jesus taught was God's truth. The resurrection, it is proof everything that Jesus promised, it is true. You see, Jesus did this. And here's the deal. When someone predicts their own death and resurrection in advance, and then they pull it off, you can take everything they said and did and taught and promised to the bank. 
Because that resurrection proves it is all true. Jesus wants his first followers to understand he's resurrected. He is resurrected indeed. And what that means is, is no matter how dark things became on Friday, everything he taught, everything he promised, everything he did, it's still true. The resurrection proves it to be true. And he wants them to understand that he is risen indeed because part of what that means is no matter how dark things are in their lives, they're not facing that darkness alone. They face it with the resurrected Jesus. Church, it's Easter Sunday. T today we come and we remember and we celebrate that Jesus is risen, that he is risen indeed. And part of what that means for us is that no matter how dark things become for us today, we can still take everything that Jesus taught and promised and did to the bank. The darkness of our Friday doesn't change any of those things because Jesus is risen indeed. And, and because Jesus is risen indeed, no matter how dark things are for us today, what that means for us today as his followers now is that we don't face that darkness alone either. We face it with the resurrected Jesus walking in that darkness with us, facing that darkness with us. Jesus doesn't stop there, though. Instead, Jesus has another Bible study. He's got this larger group of people, and he has a second Bible study with them. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and will arise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. As Jesus opens their minds, as he walks them through the Old Testament and all these things that pointed to him and what God was doing, Jesus does this to, to help expose another reason for why they're troubled and why they doubt. See, one of the reasons that his first followers were, were doubting and, and, and troubled is they had limited vision. In the midst of darkness, all they could see was the pain and the suffering and the disappointment and the confusion. All they could see was that God doesn't seem to make sense right now. And so Jesus has his Bible study where he tries to expand their vision to try and help them see more than that. To try and help them see that there's more going on than just darkness. To help them see there's something bigger happening in their pain and fear and disappointment and confusion. He's trying to give them vision to see a mystery. 
a, a mystery that, that God set into motion before time began, a mystery which prophets and saints of old, even angels longed to look into, a mystery that, that, that is now being unveiled before their very eyes. He's, he's trying to give them a vision to see that, that God is bringing the culmination to human history right here in the cross. He's trying to give, give them a vision to see that the king of heaven left his throne, was robed in humanity, walked the earth with them, showed them how to live, died on a cross for their, and in their place, and now has been risen from the tomb. He's trying to help them see that God is up to so much more than simply not making any kind of sense. That God, that God is up to something redemptive, something bigger, something beautiful. Again, it's Easter morning. And as a church... We are celebrating, we are remembering together that Jesus is risen. That he is risen indeed. And part of what that means is that God is up to something more. He's, he's up to something more than just the darkness in our lives. He's up to something bigger than our pain and our fear and our disappointment. He's up to something bigger than a COVID-19 crisis. He's up to something bigger than people's failing health. He's up to something bigger than a crumbling economy. He's up to something bigger than social isolation. That even in the midst of the darkness of our Friday, that Sunday has come. That Jesus is risen and in the midst of the chaos, God is still up to something bigger, something redemptive, even something beautiful. And we have a chance to be part of that. It's Easter morning. And as Jesus' followers now, we know he is risen. He is risen indeed. No matter how dark Friday is, Sunday has come and Jesus is risen. But here's the rub. What do you do between Friday and Sunday? What do you do between the darkness of Friday and the realized hope of Sunday? Especially if your Friday to Sunday lasts longer than just three days. What do you do between Friday and Sunday? How do, you, how do you hold on to faith? How do you still live in a way that honors God? And how do you do those things without trying to pretend that it's not dark and difficult in what you're facing? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about in the rest of this series. For, for the next three weeks, each week we're going to look at a, at a different individual. A different individual and their story as we see it in the New Testament. People who are living in darkness, but who show us what we can do to hold on to faith and to honor God, even if things are dark and difficult. 
It's going to be good. And I hope you'll join us for it. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you that Jesus is risen and that he is risen indeed. As we come together as a church today to remember and to celebrate this, Father, in the midst of whatever darkness we may find ourselves facing, help us to know you are risen. You are risen indeed. Help us to live in the knowledge and the power of the resurrected Jesus. God, give us a vision of something bigger than our fear and our pain and our disappointment. God, help us to see you're up to something redemptive, something beautiful. God, help us to look for opportunities to be part of that. And God, just if, there, if there's anyone here today watching this who's never said yes to the resurrected Jesus, but who knows they need to, just before we continue, we want to pray. I just want to invite, if that is you, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Jesus, my life is dark. Some of that darkness has nothing to do with me. It's just this broken world around me and I cannot control that. But if I'm honest, some of that darkness has everything to do with me. It has everything to do with my sin. And so the parts that are me, Jesus, I just confess that to you. I just ask that you would forgive me, please. Thank you that you came. You left your throne in heaven. You were robed in humanity. You came and you lived and you showed us the way. You died on a cross for my sin. I want that in my life. I surrender myself to you. Help me to follow you and to become like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue this morning, Kat is going to lead us in worship. And we want to invite you just to lift up your heart in song with her to get your soul all tangled up with God's. As we get ready to do that, I just want to uh, let you know there are a number of ways you can participate in the ministry here of Faith Covenant Church as we continue to be the church even when we can't meet in person. You can give online uh, at the church website at 4FCC.org. You can give through the Planning Center app. You can text to give, and that's as simple as texting an amount to 84321, and then you follow the prompts. And then you could always mail your gift right in here to the church offices. 
in whatever way that you are choosing to give and to participate. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your generosity. Let's worship together.